This is William Lara with Miami Lux, and welcome to the Randy Doyle Podcast. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Randy Doyle Podcast and live event on Facebook. So hi, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great, uh, a great morning. So we've got two special guests in this morning and with two vastly different businesses. Uh, the models are different. Uh, you can see one is really ugly. The other one's pretty cute. And so <laughs> we'll go from there. But uh, ladies first, Sydney, introduce yourself. Hi, I am Sydney Gwynn, and I own a detail shop here in Boise, Idaho, and I've been in business for about seven years, and I am on Team PNS. I'm a brand ambassador and detail specialist for them, and I work with Rennie a lot. I trained with Rennie a year ago, which is so crazy that it's been that long. Um, so I'm part of many families that I'm very thankful for in this industry, and there we go. Got your special coffee. Cheers. <laughs> yep. What's up, big man? What's up? How you guys doing? Good. So introduce yourself. Uh, Kyle Clark with uh, Extreme Detailing here in uh, Fontana, California, Southern California area. I've been detailing since I was 13 years old, um, and I'll be 35 this year. So it tells you it's been a little while. And just like most detailers, I'm continually learning uh, how to build my business and make it better. But recently, earlier this year, I joined the PNS team and I'm the sales rep for the Southern California area, trying to help our distributors educate their customers and um, give them, you know, tools to use so that we can uh, show them our, our amazing product line and um, help build their businesses just like PNS has helped build mine. So, Two vastly different, um, we'll, we'll come around to this because I'm sure it's always a question, a question but uh, both you have two completely different business models. Kyle, you're a real busy, uh, sizable mobile operation in SoCal, uh, and Sydney's got a home-based operation, so two different things and two different businesses, two different models, scalable at different levels. So let, let's go over and let's start with uh, you. You've, you've both seen each other's operations and you, you know each other's operations. So let's talk for a, a second, Kyle. So you started out pretty small. Uh, I've got, you, you know, you do a lot of RVs and boats besides cars, a lot of coatings, paint corrections, so forth. But let's, let's talk about being mobile, especially in the Southern California market. There's a lot of markets like it around the globe that are, are busy. There's a lot of traffic, a lot of people and so forth. So, Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly um, of, of having a, a sizable mobile operation in a busy market like SoCal. You know, having a mobile um, business, you deal with the environment. So luckily, California usually has good, clear weather. Um, we do occasionally get rain, and that's nice. Um, it gives us a break. But um, that comes into play. It's hot. It's very competitive because, you know, in the mobile detailing world, the cost of entry to business is low, right? Anyone can start a business and go out and wash cars, but separating yourself from being a quote unquote car washer and a detailer 
there's a, a learning curve. There's a gap there. There's um, that we're constantly trying to educate our customers on because we tend to be mixed together. People think I wash cars and think some people that wash cars think that they know how to do paint correction and detail. And there is a, a, <clears throat> a gap, you know, or um, a crossover there that some people are, are skilled at both. Um, but then we have the actual car washes that wash cars for a low cost because they operate on volume and we don't operate on volume. Um, my, my business is more of a quality produ production business where I can do multiple RVs in a day. I can do multiple cars in a day and try and keep it on the quality side. I don't do 20 RVs. I don't go to the RV parks and just bang out RVs left and right where I spend more time trying to get, you know, the smudges off, the flaws off an RV or a boat or a car. Um, I, for some reason, maybe it's just the location. People refer to me as knowing a lot about RVs, and I do because I have a lot of time into it, but um, I don't really love detailing the RVs. Mm -hmm. It's just the work, right? It's, it's there, and I'm good at it, and I enjoy um, making – an RV go from neglected sitting on the side of someone's house to beautiful again. I really enjoy that transition and the, the gratification afterwards and how people are happy. Um, now getting people to pay those prices is another story, but um, that's, that's mainly what I focus on. I have a, a small staff uh, and we have some dealer accounts um, doing large vehicles. We have an aircraft account. We do some large aircraft. Um, but then I just have a lot of repeat customers that I've had for almost 22 years. I have some same people I've been detailing since I was a kid. Uh, so that's been a benefit. It's a long game, being patient, um, being persistent, and then just providing good value to your customers. But I would say I've been to Sydney's shop and I am envious of having a shop like that where you have less stress on other things um, where it's just you and you can focus on it. So Sydney does have a pretty cooperation. Well, before we jump into Sydney, let me, let me tell you, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that when somebody builds a lifestyle business, that it's not a real business. Um, I would argue that with you across the board, not just for Sydney's benefit, but to the fact that, you know, a lot of people are used to being enslaved to their business and when people build a lifestyle business, it still has got challenges. I think Sydney's going to probably share some of those challenges with us right now. But it's, um, it's a very <coughs> – honestly, if I had to go back and do it again, that's the direction I would – well, it kind of went that way, but it got a little out of hand. You know, it just, it just kind of it, – it, it grew some legs of its own. So, Sydney, I think we're always reinventing our businesses. And I've had to do it a few times and I kind of feel like I'm in that transition again. And it's like, Oh great. Here we go again. You know, got to make some changes, got to pay some bills and, and try some new things. But um, then you can put it on autopilot for a little while, a year, two years, three years and enjoy. And then you're going to have to fix things again. Yeah. We're, I think right now, just because of what's going on in the world, we'll get down to COVID. I think that uh, a lot of us are, you know, happen to adjust on the fly. Even after we adjusted to COVID, now we're adjusting again to a new 
attitude. We'll get into that here in a second. Yeah. You know, of people, but so city kind of explain your business and what the model is and, uh, you know, share what you'd like to share, kind of not share what yeah. you don't want to share, but <laughs> you've all, you've all been to your, I mean, look at the background of the shop and uh, yeah. it's home-based, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's been a long time building. <laughs> um, I will say I, the first about four years in business, um, I literally just worked out of my personal garage and, and that means it looked like my personal garage. It did not resemble a shop at all. So um, there was kids' bikes and toys and motorized vehicles all around me every day when I was working. And so um, about three years ago, when we moved into this home, that was my goal was to have a true dedicated space for my shop where, um, it, and again, I was kind of at one of those crossroads in my business. I needed to feel legitimate I wanted my customers to see me as legitimate and I just needed my own space to work in and not have chaos. And so it was almost making like a Zen like shop. And so for me currently, my shop is very um, Zen. Um, it, it does get a little bit crazy sometimes, but I try to keep it pretty organized. Um, but basically my business model is um, kind of like a Nordstrom spa like feel. Um, I like my customers to feel very, um, personalized. I like for them to have all of my attention. I think they really like that. Um, I have a lot of people that come to me just because it is in my home. I'm the only person touching their car and they get very catered to and people really enjoy that. They really enjoy knowing that their car is literally at the spa for the day. And so I very much give them that feel and that's been very successful for me. I do roughly, I try to keep it to one car a day. Sometimes I get stuck with a couple more, but I try to just do one car a day and just focus on it. Um, I do have two kids and one is uh, going to be 15. One's going to be 12. They're incredibly active. So the great part about my shop being in my home is if I need to help one of them with something or take them somewhere, it's just not a big deal. So um, as far as like the lifestyle, it does really fit into our lifestyle. I can kind of guide that most days there's some days where the car takes control but but I try to guide where that's all gonna go but um so I specialize in mainly just full um you know restorative details meaning literally it's the whole thing the whole enchilada so inside out um, just getting it to feel as new as possible and clean so I do a lot of mom cars um I do a lot of classic cars. I do a lot of big trucks. I feel like big trucks are kind of my thing. Um, lots of big trucks and Jeeps. And I forgot to mention, I live in the foothills of Boise. So I'm pretty tucked away from mainstream Boise. Um, when you come here, there's a lot of wildlife, lots of hills, lots of grass. So I'm fairly hidden up here in my neighborhood. Um, so it's pretty cool. In that kind of, it works out because you're kind yeah. of, uh, You've got a, you, you know, people bring their cars from all over, you know, the yep. area. Yep. But also it, it, the fact that, you know, what attracts me to this is that you said a couple of things. First off, after hearing your explanation, uh, mm -hmm. I feel like listening to some piano and having a Merlot. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, uh, is that, you know, I, I, I want to take and highlight something. And this comes mm -hmm. to, to, you know, right now, big businesses, you mentioned Nordstrom. So let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. Nordstrom's would give uh, their baby maker to be able to take and connect with their customers like you do on mm -hmm. a mellow one-to-one -one yeah. personal level, because mm -hmm. even Kyle, it's hard to do 
when you get bigger, isn't it, to have that connection like Sydney's got? Yeah, you know, I remember, you know, knowing everything about a customer's car or remembering their name and face. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult now. That's why I have a CRM that helps me keep track of that info. But man, someone calls you and they're like, hey, this is John. Uh, yeah, which John? I have you know 30 what, Johns. You know, what the answer is, you know what the answer is to that? Is, hey, John, great to hear from you. you yeah, know? well, no. It's yeah, like, but in my back up. of my head, I'm thinking, what the heck? You never say, oh, nice to meet you. or nice. It's always nice no, to meet you. No, yeah. Right? So, so you kind of carry that. Tell me, tell, me, tell me, did you get a new car? What do you have now? So then they can tell me, oh, no, I got the same, same Mustang or the same car. Yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, then I remember them. Oh, yeah, you live in this area of the city. Mm-hmm. You know, once yeah. I get that connection, I'm like, hey, did you call my PDR guy and get that dent fixed? Oh, you remember that? Speaking of. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. So, let, let me ask you. Um, challenges. Give, give us um, a challenge in your guys. We'll start with Sydney this time. Sydney, mm-hmm. what in business? It doesn't have to be like a, a challenge on a, on a uh, vehicle or what's something that you've faced in business that's been a challenge? Something maybe that you just – you look back and you wish you would have realized that at the early stages. Uh, and how did you get through it? What, what's, what's, what would that look like? Um, you know, I'm going to relate this back to having a home-based business just because we've talked about all the great parts about it. So I do want to point out some of the challenges with it. Um, there is a lack in personal space. Um, so because they know that I'm home, they, a lot of customers don't think they need to drop off their car on time or pick it up on time, <laughs> or, you know, they think they could just kind of come whenever they think I'm home whenever they say, why can't you wash it on Sunday? So that's been kind of a challenge that over the years I've had to do a lot of, I've had to learn how to say no. I was really bad for about five years. And that's where you let your business control you. Um, saying no is the hardest part. And especially when you have literally trained some of these customers to be monsters, <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word. Well, um, so that's, that habit, isn't it nice? It, doesn't it become a little easier? Yeah. No, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, then I'm like, nope, like, nope, it's like, nope. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, Rick, Ricardo put up a good question that's related to this. He, he wants to know, since your customers know where you live, does that become yeah. a problem? Oh, no. Nope. I've never had an issue with that at all. Um, as far as safety or anything like that, no issues at all. And they're very respectful of, you know, my home and things like that. Just a little bit, sometimes disrespectful of my time, but no, I've never had any issues. And, you know, so the way my neighborhood is, there's about uh, 1500 homes in my neighborhood. So the first couple of years, about 90% of my business was from the neighborhood. Now it's about 60, 40. So meaning 40% comes from outside my neighborhood. And I would say probably of that 40%, probably 30 per, or 70% of that, I go pick the cars up. So there's not a huge amount of people that come up here. Usually it's me going to pick them up. I have a lot of businesses and things that I go pick the cars up. So not a ton of people that I don't really know. Um, but then also on the flip side of that, because my, my shop is kind of that spa feel, I, don't, I feel like I become friends with every single one of my customers right away. And we know a lot about of each other. So we build that rapport that, no, I've never felt like anything was in danger. 
you know, it's funny because you're talking about this and, you know, we had our, our number one office, ironically, was in Idaho, you know, mm -hmm. and my family and I've got a, a, uh, a, a long-term connection with Idaho. Yeah. We'll do, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even though we were doing seven figures in business is that I, I put myself in a position to where I was you mm -hmm. is that I got to know those people. And, and as you're, yeah. As you're, as you're you giving me your numbers, our numbers mirrored that even at seven figures, mm -hmm. you know, is that we yeah. took, and it, it's a lesson learned. People would ask me, man, the guy that bought us, multimillionaire, right? Mm -hmm. He bought us because he couldn't beat us. Yeah. You know, I was just, a little segment of his business was this big. Mm -hmm. and, and he told us that straight out is the connection. I just mm -hmm. could not beat your connection with people. So. Yeah. That is scalable no matter what business. Now, it's going to take right. a lot of time. You're, you be, at that point, you become a brand ambassador, you mm -hmm. know, for your own company. is really your yeah. job. You do less detailing and more, and more uh, visiting sometimes. Right. You ever feel like you do that? Like, man, I need to oh. show up, get to work. Oh, yeah. Counselor. Yeah. Like, I hear, yeah, all the gossip. <laughs> no, I, I love, <laughs> that's the best part. I love doing that. Yeah. 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 Talking yeah, to the no, customer I, about their cars. Yep. And I have to factor that into my day. You know, like if I want to get started at 9 a.m., I've got to have them drop their car off at 8.15. You know, I just factor in that that chatting time both before and after. Oh, you're quiet. I'd have to start it. I'd have to tell them to get there <laughs> at 9, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do, yeah, I love the chatting part. And I think that the customers love that too. And especially through this 2020, um, that's been really important. And it's funny because my customers, don't, they don't ever mention there's been no mention in my shop of COVID. Um, they come because they just want to talk about normal stuff. And so it's taken a little bit longer <laughs> through this because they just want to chat about anything but that. And so um, there's been a lot of chatting. So Kyle, <laughs> to you, what's, what's, what's one of the big, you know, challenges that you've had to overcome or misconceptions or, you know, anything that you can think of within your business? You know, as you grow, you got to automate and, um, one of the biggest things that I, I struggled with was figuring out how to do my accounting years ago. And I dragged my feet forever. You know, I had paper invoices and, um, you know, I was writing everything down and, you know, mailing the invoices and the people to get paid. I tried a few different, you know, companies and then I just said, dang it, let's just do QuickBooks online. And I did that and it took a couple of years of being vigilant to get all that information in. And now it's the best thing I've ever done uh, was doing that. And now I have a, another software that helps me run my business and manage my time because I've gotten to a point where I forget people's names or addresses or where they live. So I have all that info at my fingertips now. Um, and it helps my staff because they have access to that. So I don't have to tell them where to go, send them anything. Remember back in the day where you had to uh, print off a MapQuest piece of paper to drive to a customer's house? Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's not the case anymore. So finding those automations that help your business, man, it gives me the opportunity to stand there with my phone at the end of the detail, take the customer's credit card, chat with them, give them advice on how to maintain the vehicle, when we should see them again, even set up a follow-up appointment for three to six months. 
um, and kind of do that which, what Sydney gets to do. That's my time, usually right at the beginning, but more at the end of the detail um, when my guys are putting the final touches on. Um, that that was a struggle. So finding the the right tool for your business um, for calendaring for accounting um, that was a difficult thing for me because I didn't want to pay a bunch of money, but it's worth it. You know, it's Let me worth ask it. you guys both this. How do you guys keep from uh, having your business as business owners? A lot of times our minds don't shut off. So how, how do you keep your business from overtaking your life? So Sydney back to you real quick. Oh gosh. It takes over my life probably weekly. <laughs> and then I have to, and then I have to dial it back a little bit. So that's an ongoing challenge, but um, really, again, it kind of goes back to just saying no. And then for me too, because it is in my home, I have really made like that door between my shop and my home, like the gateway. So if I walk through that door, I'm done. If I'm not done working, I don't walk through that door. So there's days when if I need to take a break, I'm literally sitting in my hot shop because I'm like, I can't, I really try to keep it separate. I can't go in and like try to do a load of laundry while I'm trying to, it's that will drive you crazy. And so I really do keep it at work. And it's always a joke. And that's why I say I go get coffee every morning because I drive to work. So I drive down the hill, I get coffee, I come back and I don't walk back through the door. Um, so that's me going to work. So it, but it's a weekly struggle to keep the business from taking over family life. It's very, very hard, but I've just tried to be really conscious of it the last couple of years. And um, the biggest thing was just, you know, no to weekends no to weekends and sometimes I get sometimes I get sucked in but tell everybody what time uh, your today's project was dropped off last night oh my gosh it was 11 o'clock <laughs> it was 11 o'clock I was waiting out on my porch for my car for today to be dropped off wow which that that yeah that happens all the time it's fine you know my biggest thing <laughs> is because a lot of people don't know it. our facility is on our property so we live mm -hmm. on the same property that our facility's on uh yeah. For all the, I'll tell you what, I mean, I've worked my entire career, uh, never been home-based, you know, when I was mobile, mm -hmm. you know, I was, but I wasn't home, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. we had a, we, during the winter months, I worked out of my garage, you know, mm -hmm. but it was for short stints, you know, it was just for a season. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing, my biggest joy is, you know, is, is being able to see my family randomly. Yeah. And seeing my dogs, you know, random yep. is yeah. it's a stress relief. And so, yep. A lot of people are so afraid of having a home-based mm -hmm. operation. There's a lot of upside to it, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, yep. You know, zoning and CODAM, you went all through the proper channels. We yep. gone through all the proper channels, so you have to do that. So, yep. Kyle, that same question to you. How do you turn that switch off? My biggest thing is uh, text messaging and, and phone calls is I get to a certain point in the day after five o'clock where I feel like, all right, my family's not home yet. I'm still doing work. I'm okay. As soon as my kids and my wife are home, I, at least for customers, you know, I do have my friends um, that I want to communicate with. I just shut that off. Um, I've, I've learned I had to, right? Otherwise it's just going to create problems at home. Um, and then, you know, when everyone's tucked into bed, I'll sit there and I will have customers that I will text them at 10 30, 11 o'clock at night and they can read it in the morning um, just so it's done. But there's family time and there's business time and it's, it's a learning process um, to, 
And I've had some people that text me and it's urgent and I just have to put the phone down and walk away and ignore it because if not, it'll stress you out. And I've learned to get rid of some stresses. Well, Sydney said something great. You create, you create these, these beasts. If you mm-hmm. don't, set the, you got to set the bar straight. And so you know, it's funny because one of my friends last night at about seven 30, I got in trouble because Diane was talking to one of our friends in, in Idaho of all things. And my phone was just going off. And so uh, her friend asked, Dan, what is Rennie? Uh, and, and Diane said, man, his phone does this all day long and all night. And she goes, who is texting you? And I said, well, I'm talking to our daughter about helicopters. So that was going rapid fire, right? And then I was talking to Christian Parker about real estate. And so neither one of them had anything to do about business, but it was really fun topics. You know what I'm saying? So that was I didn't get busted. I wasn't talking business. So I just want to yeah. try that with Diane that's listening right now. And like work, <laughs> working weekends, like Sydney said, you know, my wife likes to run and it's actually been a blessing for us or she likes to run on Saturday mornings. My guys have had to take care of anything that's on Saturday now. Um, I don't work Sundays, but um, that's been really nice that I get to be home with my kids, make them breakfast on Saturdays while my wife goes out and does her thing. So Great break working weekends, you know, get rid of it. And then, um, you know, we've um, we got a lot of young and new people. When I say young people to detailing, it's not necessarily young age wise. It's going to be young to the industry. Um, what, what one piece of advice, if you had one piece, it's going to be interesting. One piece of advice, Kyle, what would you give them in 30 seconds or less? Uh, get trained. It helps. You will circumvent the learning curve of running a business if you can get down the the methods of of detailing but become better be a better business owner first don't worry about being a perfect detailer that's one thing get trained and learn how to run a business and then everything else will be so much easier for you got you sydney Yep. So since Kyle said training, which is, that is number one, um, training is key. So then my second one is um, building relationships. If you build the relationships with your customers, you're not constantly trying to reinvent. Um, We spend so much time trying to find customers and build our base that you don't want to keep looking for that customer constantly. Um, A lot of my customers come back every six months faithfully. And so for me, what has really made my business thrive is relationships, just building the relationships. I'll even challenge you to this. I'm, I'm a trainer, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what right now. Go out and build the relationship first. A lot of you aren't mm-hmm. going to have the money to train. Um, you, need to, you need to educate just yeah. as you can. But day one, start that relationship off. Yep. You know, that, 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 that's huge. Good, good advice, both of you. Um, so, COVID. <laughs> We've invited a, uh, thanks, COVID, uh, a whole new breed of detailer. I won't call them detailer. i call them washers. Uh-huh. and it's, I think it's going to set us back a little bit as an industry. Um, what would you tell the people <laughs> how, how I'm hearing so many people um, concentrate on what's going on around them with these washers coming into the, into the game? We've seen it many times, first off. This is nothing new. Uh-huh. Every time the economy slows down, that this was how they uh, – welcomed to our world in the 80s. You know, I mean, that was – the eighties and nineties, that's all there was. We just dealt with that constantly. It was just, that was, you're in the reads for every problem. I'm not kidding you. Probably for every 50 um, so-called detailers, 49 of them were, 
we're really just car washers, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Southern California is flooded with them. Almost all the markets are now. But mm -hmm. as a business owner, Sydney, what would you tell the people listening right now? What, what, what's your advice? Um, again, it kind of goes back to just making sure that you're educating your customer and without even having to point out um, how you're different, point out how you're different. Um, and so for me, like I just do a lot of education with my customers on the things I did, the things I found, the products that I used and, and what that's going to do for their vehicle. Um, I've noticed that just educating them in my process and what I'm doing, that tells them right there why I'm different because they know that the guy down the hill is literally just going to wash their car with Dawn. Um, and so that's just making sure that you're on point with your education message for your customers. And, and they love that. Um, I've heard a lot of detailers. They say, Oh, I just give them their car back. They don't want to know what I did. No, they, they do want to know what you did. Um, that provides value in your price and why you're charging what you're charging. And when they feel like they're getting a lot for that value, then they're going to keep coming to you. So I think that's just really educating the customer on why you're different than literally everybody else out there. Kyle. You know, with, with COVID, there's been so much bad information, more than previous bad information, right? You have the YouTube detailers and there's some good YouTube info out there and there's some really bad YouTube info out there. Mm -hmm. But um, there are people who are making some really outlandish claims on killing a virus um, and haven't really taken the time to educate themselves. They've just been spray and pray, um, make a video, show that I'm using some steam. Um, so what I would say is be careful of that. But also going back to Sydney, I really like to explain what I'm going to do to your vehicle. And I get compliments all the time from people. They're like, I've called three or four other people, other detailers or car washers, whatever. Um, they never told me what a clay bar does. Mm -hmm. They never told me that they were going to, you know, rinse out the engine bay or scrub my wheel wells or clean the barrels, you know, with this level of detail. Um, they never knew what a wheel barrel was or a brake caliper was. So even though it takes a couple minutes longer. I like to provide the value up front, whether they use me or not, they know that I know what I'm doing. And so if they go to the other person and that other person damages their vehicle or doesn't give them what they thought they were getting, I do get people that come back and say, Hey, you know, you explained it. This guy didn't do what you said. He was cheaper. And then I get to redo some work um, or the hood was rough they said they clayed it. So um, communication is very important, especially in what we do, because you have to show that you're not just washing a car, that you are detailing a car. And that's why it justifies the price. I like that. Hey, Chris, any other questions? I've got a few more uh, that I was sent. Um, and I've got some uh, uh, another pointed ones. We definitely have some that have been coming in. Um, Let's go. I got a couple of good ones regarding the home base shop setup. Uh, Chris Lee asks, how do you prep cars in your driveway without upsetting the neighbors? And that's mm -hmm. actually related to another one that uh, Kyle at Kyle's Detail Garage asked. You know, he's a home base detailer too. He wants to know uh, what you do about the vehicles that don't fit in your home garage shop. Okay. So question number one, um, 
and this is going to come across a little bit funny, but I don't really do them in the driveway. Um, so I do have a pressure washer and I'll use it if I have to, but I actually try to discourage my customers ahead of time. Like I let them know if they've got an F-250, I say, hey, by the way, if you have mud in your fender wells, I'm going to need you to go wash those out before you bring it to me. So I kind of focus on um, the pretty part of detailing. So I let people know, like, I'm not there to wash out their whole bed of hay and mud and stuff. That's not to say that I don't get some of those, but I really try to handle that ahead of time. So I just explained to them that I'm in a neighborhood and I can't handle the mud and the rocks and all of that. So I try to not do very much with my pressure washer. I focus a lot on rinseless washes. Um, and I do actually use my pressure washer inside my garage for fender wells and things like that. And then I have a dedicated vacuum that I suck up the water, but like right now in the summer, it just evaporates. So I don't even use it. Um, but really I probably average three to four gallons of water per car. Um, and that's kind of part of my business model. And I, I let people know that where I live, everybody's very environmentally conscious. And so they love it. Um, so I just let them know that if, if they've got a really super dirty exterior of their car that I, I need them to pre-wash it because we're focusing on the detailing part, not the washing part. Um, and I just say it like it is, and I don't have too much issue with that. Um, and then the second part was, remind me the second part of the question. Vehicles that are too big. Oh, too big. So my shop is pretty big. Um, I can fit a full-size F-350 in here um, and get all the way around it. Um, my shop is probably about, this side is probably about 600 square feet. Um, if it's too long, I can just leave my garage door open a little bit. Um, if it's like boats and motorhomes, I just do those uh, just out in the driveway. And my, and my neighbors don't care. I'm really good friends with all of my neighbors, but I definitely try to keep it completely behind closed doors as much as possible. I don't like it to look like I'm running a business here at all. So basically you make a lot of cookies and deliver them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, keep the, keep the fridge stock. There you go. Dog there treats. Go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I got another, uh, <coughs> another one here. Jer Jeremy asked, would any of you consider using a car trailer to pick up your customer's car so you could bring it back uh, to your shop and bring it back to them? Um, he says, this is a, a side hustle for me, but I'm located 45 minutes away from a larger city and can't make the arrangements normally uh, because of his distance. Um, he has the equipment, but he's reluctant to use it considering the, the risk versus reward of trailering a car. Let me, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna jump in real quick. We actually did this in our operation. A, you've gotta make sure you've got the right insurance in place. B, you gotta be really, really 1000% uh, dedicated that you know your stuff enough to do it and that you're skilled enough uh, to do it. Hauling cars is no joke, but honestly, once you're used to it and you do it, I've hauled a lot of cars, it's, it's, it's your comfort level more than it is anything. And then, and then having the proper insurance. The last thing you wanna do is have your insurance company uh, find out you're doing it or have an accident and then deny the accident. And then, oh boy, that, that, that can get really ugly quick. So Kyle and Sydney, what would your input be on that one? Yeah, that'd be a dream. And I do know that there are some detailers that do that um that have some really high-end trailers you don't want to just slap the customer's car on a on a you know like a flatbed that's meant for a tractor right you're going to have an investment in that um whether it's enclosed or not you need training the insurance it would be awesome 
uh, and I have a truck that can do that. Um, but you got to invest in the trailer and learn how to, how to um, properly hook up uh, various cars. You know, if you tie a car over the tire on some cars or through the rim on others, when you strap it down, there are risks to both. Um, and you just got to be willing to take on that risk. For me, it's going to be a no. <laughs> this is where the girl's <laughs> going to come out. No. Uh, I have nails and hair. And no, that sounds like it's really <laughs> dirty. And it's a lot of time, too. So for me, um, the time involved would be no. That's time away from my family. And um, I've never pulled anything. So it probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> Um, so no, I wouldn't just cause it doesn't fit my business model. Um, you know, I have customers that come from McCall, Idaho, which is two hours away. I have a lot of them and they, I just ask them to drive it down. So yeah, well, I, have me, a, I have for a, for me, it's horror, a no. Sorry. I, I have a little horror story related to this. One of my clients, oh, um, uh, I referred him to a local place to have some PPF work done and they came and picked up his car in the trailer. And when they brought it back to him, uh, he lived on a hill and one thing led to another and there oh, was no. a, a shift in the load and the car got away from him and rolled down the hill a bit. So, you know, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. And I think like for me and my size shop, I mean, it would only take one situation like that and it would shut me down. So the risk would never outweigh the reward for me on that one. It's like lifts. We just got word yesterday, another detailer lost a car off a lift. Oh, yep. Yeah. I know that lifts are really popular. I, I had one in my shop for a while. The reason I had one in the shop for a while was the liability, it, it, the car coming off and then maybe hitting somebody. Um, you got to really know your stuff with lifts. And then mm -hmm. again, a lot of people don't realize it is that if your insurance company doesn't know you're lifting cars, they may or may not cover you if there is a problem. Right. And so you got to be really careful. Okay, Chris, what else? I got a good question from uh, Steve here. It says, what does your initial walk around of a, of a vehicle look like when taking a customer's car in and what documents do you have them sign to be able to work on their car? Kyle, you want to jump in on this one? Yeah. So right now I'm using a detailing application um, that allows me to do inspections, take pictures of scratches, dents, tears, you know, um, whatever imperfections we find. Um, from that, the customer can view those and actually can sign off on those. So I go around and snap pictures, you know, draw on it. And um, that's one of those things I was talking about earlier about automating your business um, makes it way easy. Then I can tell them what the cost would be to fix those items and they can, you know, sign off on an actual approval where they have to sign it. So um, there's many ways to do it. Some people have a paper check-in sheet, but, um, and I, I love that, but I kind of wanted to get away from paper. And so um, back in the day, I had a paper one where you had to draw, you know, you'd mark where the water spots were and all this, and then you'd sign off um, service accepted um, and service uh, recommended and make sure that they understood what they're paying for. So just, like Sydney and I said earlier, communicate and show them the problems right up front. Sydney, how do you handle that? Yeah. Um, so possibly <laughs> a little bit different. I think a lot of this um, 
it's kind of regional depending on your area and your customer base. So I don't have my customers sign anything just because of the relationships that I've built with them. But I definitely document everything um, through, I use RoadFS. And so I document everything in that, in their file. Um, I take pictures and they know that, but I don't have them sign anything. And honestly, I've never had one single issue in seven years. And I feel like just, again, I'm going to fall back on the relationship that I've built with my customers there. I've just never had any problems. So when we walk around it, you know, I started off with, is there anything that you would like to point out to me before I get started, you know, right before they leave, you know, and I have them identify the issues. Um, and then, you know, if I, if I run into something after they leave, I might send them a quick text and say, Hey, there, you know, there's a dent in the rear passenger door. Would you like me to get you a referral for that? And so even though I don't do it, it's also me having documentation and, and letting them know that, that I found an issue ahead of time. Um, and that's the best way to do it is just, you know, do you want me to get you a referral for that? Not saying, hey, did you know your seat's ripped? <laughs> you know, so um, that's how I do it. I don't have them sign anything. Um, and that's just, maybe that just goes back to the culture of my relationship with my customers. I dig, I dig. Both of uh, real quick, uh, Sydney, I know you mentioned you use uh, RoadFS by Zenware. Uh, yeah. Kyle, the question immediately popped up, the software you're using. I'm using a software app called You're Able. Um, it's one that works best for me, and I just really enjoy the platform, and they're continually updating it. Cool. By the way, um, Bob says uh, he knows you're not telling the truth about working at night because you send him stuff late at night that's that's kind of more fun stuff <laughs> you know bob i think sydney and i were going to talk about some new products that we're, we're planning on you know coming out with um i think it was in a in a pineapple bottle um smelled like pineapple yep 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 <laughs> <laughs> the hidden springs collection <laughs> i joke inside joke uh wow so questions on that end um, I got a, I got a good one, uh, for you, Rennie. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, from the president of Kyle's fan club again. He wants to know, uh, how do you go about promoting your trainings and your certifications? So essentially promoting them to your customers. Oh, wow. Great. Um, you know, a lot of people, we, we, let's go back 20 plus years. We de uh Oh, Rennie froze. <laughs> Rennie, you there? Do I still have the two of you? Uh, yeah, I yep, I'm you, good. Chris. Okay. Well, I will try and. Uh... Telling oh, wow. we, we knew that we could oh. not be the average guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. Rennie, real quick. You there? I'm gonna have you completely yes. start. I'm gonna have you completely start over on that one because you froze up for a long time. Oh no! Oh no! No. So let's go back 20, 20 years, plus years ago. We knew that we wanted to do detailing different. Uh, we knew that the, the model for detailing was, was, had never really been built, is that there is, uh, even then we were kind of, we are figuring it out. We are trying to bring it into mainstream and it just, it hadn't happened until that point. There's, I'm not kidding you, there was probably a couple dozen detailers across the entire country that were really uh, taking it to the next level and treating it like a serious business. So one of the things, we created our own in-house certification program. And what we did, it was legitimate. We went through and we had state, what we called, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a search and rescue technician. It came from my association with 
uh, NASAR, the uh, National Association for Search and Rescue. So we had tech ones, twos, and threes. Threes were entry levels. Twos were pretty much badasses, and ones were like uh, detailing gods. And it took about two years, and we had a master program. It took about two years of employment and working very hard to get to a, a tech one, and then about three to four years for us to certify masters. What we did is we went out there, and we marketed that, is we would show, our, we, 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 didn't, we never talked bad about our competition, but what we did do is we talked about the difference between us and them, us and them. And so we would put out different little uh, ver, uh, verbiage about, hey, did you know that our technicians actually go through and before they touch your car's paint is they've gone through two to four years of certification processes. Just those little bit. Now we've got, you know, organizations like, like uh, ours, but then we've got the International Detailers Association uh, that are backing people up and putting their stamp approval on you. It's a third-party validation, and that's absolutely huge. So everybody that comes through our training has got the opportunity to go through it. We don't charge any extra and get their IDA certifications, uh, both the CD and the, and the skills verified. Um, I think it's massive. I don't think people market it right. I think that if you put the word out there, that you are trained and certified, people say, ah, people don't care. I've never had a person ask me. That's because you're not telling them. Uh, I remember when ASE, uh, ASE, the mechanics, I remember watching that go down. And I was like, what the hell is an ASE mechanic? Now I go in there and I want to know where the people have gone to school, especially the, the brand of cars that we've got. I want to know their, where their training comes from. There's going to be a, a day. And if you're in my market or many of the markets where there's mafia at, uh, good luck if you're not marketing it that way. So you need to take and, 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 and bring it up. Most people don't even know their certification programs or training or advanced mentoring in our industry. You need to tell them. Cool. You guys got anything to add on that one? Kyle and Sydney? Um, I mean, I just make sure that I keep all my certifications visible. Um, you can kind of see them. There's a lot of them hanging on my wall. Um, that's kind of the first thing that my customers see. And a lot of them will just ask for, ask about it. So if you kind of have it um, in an eye shot of them, um, a lot of them will ask about it. And so that's, that's probably my advice is just make sure that you keep it visible to um, the areas that your customers walk in. And, and that gives you also an option to um, when you're talking about when, what makes you different, you've kind of got it visually right there that you can refer to. Yeah, I have it displayed on the outside of my van, a graphic saying that we're IDA um, skills validated. Um, I have all mine, you can see back here, um, mm -hmm. on my wall in my office, but, um, and I've posted them on social media and I've also posted it on my website um, because I am mobile. I don't have a place where people walk in and see them. So the way I display it has to be a little bit more creative. It has to be on my shirt um that kind of stuff there you go um i have you know ida hat all those things and i talk about it too especially when someone's trying to make that decision um why should i go with you well i live by a code of conduct from a you know the international detailers association and i've been certified and this is what that means i've been I had to go through a hands-on test to show that I have the knowledge to do your vehicle and not cause damage. Um, because there are a lot of horror stories out there of people who got a, you know, some Dawn in a bucket and a pressure washer and a, 
and a water tank in the back of their truck and they went out and they damaged a customer's car because they used the wrong chemical on the on a surface um, and that is part of what the training covers not training but the, the skills validation and the certified detailing test um, make sure you have a um, knowledge of good practices best practices for detailing well we and and, and so when the people come through for our training is that feels uh, verified. It takes four days to pass the test. Four days. Uh, and, and, and we don't mess around. And I, I know Barry Keel is here um, from SB3. We had a, a co-event for both Double Black and his brand. And he got here on a Friday, and I was going through this, the, uh, the coatings uh, training. And he pulled me aside about halfway through, and he goes, dude, you do not mess around, man. You are on these guys. I mean, you're, you're – you're, you're harsh. And I was like, Hey man, they're leaving here. A me saying that they know what they're doing and B they're going into the real world and they're competing against Sydney's and Kyle's and they better know their crap or they're going to fall on their faces. And so, um, I, you, you don't pay me money and have me a baby. I'll, I'll kick people out of training. If they're, if they're not fitting the bill and you know, they're, they're, they, you know, they're a YouTube influencer and they're just trying to be popular. I could give a rat's ass about your popularity, dude. <laughs> I'm here to build a business, man. You, you want to be popular, um, you know, go for a beauty contest. Uh, but, you know, I haven't won any beauty contests in a long time. And, uh, but I've won a lot of, of wars and, and business. That's what I'm here to teach people. And, and, and so when they know, when they walk out of here, they know what the hell they're doing. And I'm just warning you right now, we're going to have, we're going to have some challenging, we're having a challenging couple of years in front of the industry because we've got a lot of people that are coming in here for survival reasons. I dig, man. But the problem is we've got so many influx of new people coming in that don't know what they're doing that it's, um, A, there's going to be price wars established, and then, B, um, there's going to be some reputations damaged. And when, uh, when people do dumb things, it affects us all. Yeah. Hey, I got a, uh, I got a, uh, a fun one that might be a little challenging, but um... – Raphael out in uh, Australia. So we've, we've got somebody from a long way. Um, he's currently got a home-based business, but he's outgrowing it, and he's going to be moving into a shop soon. Do you have any advice on switching from home-based to a shop? Yeah, charge more and stay at home. <laughs> that was going to be my advice, too. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With this company, with, what's going, with what's going on right now in the world, um, hey man, we're expanding. I mean, we're, we're starting to do business as I, we're putting the, the foundation down for a new business right now. So if you listen, if uh, here's the, the simple advice, man, is if you've got, you've got to have six to 12 months of reserves. So if you can pay your shop in advance for six to 12 months, uh, and you've got six to 12 months of personal bills covered, you're good to go. If you don't, don't do it. You're not, you're not ready. Um, Raise your prices. Go for uh, go for quality versus quantity, and uh, and stay home for a little bit more until you have those funds in place. Right now, I'll be honest with this: we we just don't know what's happening in the world. And so, if I didn't have a year's worth of wages that will cover both my shop and my home bills, I wouldn't be doing it. I just wouldn't. You guys, what do you guys say? I agree. Um, I and I've really had to take a look at that several times throughout my career because I am bursting at the seams here, and I. I've got people waiting five, six, seven weeks to get into me. And I've just realized that the, the gap between what you can do at home and what you need to run a shop is so huge. So like Rennie said, you need to have 
you know, 12 months of income in the bank before you do that. Also opening a shop, it opens you to a lot more regulations, um, you know, on the state and federal level um, taxes, it's just a whole, whole different ball game. And so for me, that's my advice is stay home and figure out how to um, make it higher quality over quantity. And the, I think that's the biggest thing is I know without saying any numbers, I know for sure that I, my personal income probably exceeds a lot of big detailers and shops for like what my take home portion is and the hours worked are half and I make way more. Um, so it's really just, you know, honing in the home business, but that, that's why I have no desire to go into a shop. And so that's my, my advice is I've just seen then where the business just takes over. Have your, yeah. run the numbers, with your CPA, um, have your CPA sit down with a, with a legitimate financial guru and share what your projections are at the shop versus what you're bringing in right now. I can guarantee you this, man, is that you are going to take in, uh, you're going to, you're going to work a lot harder at the shop mm -hmm. and you're probably going to take a dip in income for a while. And yeah. so um, until you adjust that also, whatever you're going to plan on spending on shop improvements, unless you're buying the shop, I, I'll tell you, there's a trend going on, at least in our group right now to where a lot of people are building uh, small to mid-sized shops right on their property. And yeah. I would rather do that because then you own it and it's not going, you know, once listen, price, price of doing business, um, for a shop. Yeah, I go with that. But you know what? I would rather price of do a business go into my pocketbook than somebody else's. Uh, play your own real estate game. Make that part of your empire. Uh, invest now. So Kyle? Yes. Yeah, totally. That's where I was going to go with it. I was before the COVID, I was actually looking at some property. Um, even though it cost me more in a mortgage every month than a lease would, at least I would own something I could make those modifications that I'd want, you know, epoxy the floors, whatever you want to do. And you're not fixing up someone else's future shop when you outgrow it um, and spend all that money. And I know that's not feasible for some people. Um, I also was looking at bringing on another mobile unit because we're bursting at the seams. Most people in Southern California, to Rennie's point of having um, – it being very competitive will not wait longer than two weeks for an appointment. They even, and my loyal customers will, I've had people that will, um, they know those people usually schedule two, three weeks out knowing I'm going to be busy. Um, but those people that find me online, if you tell them it's longer than a week, wait, even though someone else may not be as good, they will still go there. So, I'm trying to bring down my lead time to keep it within two weeks out and no further. And um, COVID really screwed that up. You know, we had a great economy. We were killing it. Now things are a little unknown. So I'm just putting money away to see what's going to happen down the road. Ditto. Same thing here. Just putting money away. Money's cash is king right now. Be careful. Not telling you not to expand. Just be careful, and and if you don't have that reserve, I just wouldn't do it. There's we saw the panic button get hit seven days into COVID. We saw some of the biggest names that reached out to me in the industry, and we're going to go under seven seven to ten days in. You know why? Well, commonality with every single one of them, they had too much shop. Every single one of them. What that tells me is they got too much shop. 
is that when things go and things are going to go awry, things are going to go negative. We think it's bad now. Listen, man, this is nothing like 08, you know, nothing. We, we walked through this pretty easily. So uh, great question. I have a, um, a product and technique related question. Uh, Scott Page asks, uh, what steps do you suggest to, and products I should say, to clean wheels and uh, what do you recommend for uh, matte black wheels? Ooh, I'll let you guys go. <laughs> um, there's lots of great products out there. If they're, if they're matte black wheels and they're already in great shape, stick with something that is, you know, pH neutral, stay with soap and water if, it, if it'll clean it, right? I'd always go with the least aggressive and work my way up. Um, after that, if that's not working for you, maybe go to something that's more an iron remover. We have Iron Buster, um, but you got to be careful because matte finish wheels, unless they're high quality powder coating, a lot of products can damage them. Um, you know, we have Brake Buster, which is very great um, non-acid wheel cleaner, and there are others out there, but um, the cheap satin or matte powder coating from, you know, mass production in China, that you can buy those wheels at like, say, you know, your, your normal America's Tire or whatever, man, I'd be real careful with those. Um, they will damage real easy and so if they're new ceramic coat them man they'll they'll glow they'll be so easy to clean um soap and water will do the job but be careful with satin um i still use wheel acid but i usually only use it on chrome wheels if i know that they're really chrome because i'm trying to get off the water spots and then always and this is one thing you learn if you're a certified detailer from the ida always neutralize acids um, you need a base. Learn a little chemistry. Um, what do you What do you think, Sydney? Um, same thing. So satin, just be really careful. Um, one thing that I do want to mention about satin wheels is I always take pictures of every single wheel prior, because there's times where you will rinse the wheel off and you're going to go, oh, I just totally screwed up the wheel. But if you can go back and look at those pictures and see that that damage was underneath the dirt, so always take a picture of satin wheels. Um, but then otherwise, yes, obviously love Brake Buster. Um, that is you know, 95% of the time, all I need to use um, in different varying strengths, but that is my absolute go-to. It's so safe and cleans very well. So I use a lot of Brake Buster, but I am loving the new Iron Buster Brake Buster combo um, on some of those, you know, nastier wheels, Audis, BMWs, just blows them out of the water. So I like it. Those are kind of my favorite products. And as far as process, it would just be, you know, brushes, barrel cleaners, power pressure washer, all that good stuff. You know, the other thing is, is to make sure that you take in, uh, if it's, if work on what, you know, we're, we're Australia, you guys are opposite of us right now. Uh, but the rest of the, you know, here in the United States, it's hot. And so make sure that you're, uh, make sure you're working on one wheel at a time. Don't go too yeah. fast, especially with these new powder coated wheels. Uh, they've already both of, of uh, Kyle City have, have alluded to the fact that, uh, Quality is kind of a challenge. We've got our, I don't think you guys can see it, but our shop trucks in the back, it's got that level of wheel. We've never had a problem with it, but we, we missed it with a little water. Then we spray our, our brake our break cleaner of, of choice. We scrub it down, we rinse it, and we repeat if necessary. Uh, when you go all in and, you're, and you go real aggressive right off the bat, you're, you're gonna, you, could, you could get in trouble. So 
Another magic uh, recipe that we found is that I started playing around with was uh, our iron buster. I'll hit it with that, scrub it, and then right before we rinse, I hit it with brake buster over the top because Dave, our chemist, uh, co-owner of PNS, was told me that the detergent level in that's different. So anytime you use an iron product, you guys know all of them across the board kind of leave a little bit of a milky <coughs> sometimes when it's really dirty. The brake buster will help eliminate that. And so again, one wheel at a time, and then also it's great on tires, so. Hey, uh, hey guys, I got a related question. Can you go into the difference between iron buster and brake buster for these guys? Well, one's gonna be a ferrous metal, uh, you know, iron buster is something that can be used as a, uh, it's great because it's dual purpose. I love to use products that have got multiple uses. So we can use it on painted surface for a decontamination. Uh, iron removal uh, takes off a lot of the junk that's on, uh, can be found on painted surfaces and so forth. Uh, but also it can be used for the same exact contaminants that fall on wheels. It can take that off. And so it's a color changing uh, effect, meaning that when it comes in with the, uh, with the iron base, with the ferrous, uh, 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 with the metals and so forth, uh, it will go in there and attack both. So uh, we've, we've had really good luck with it. We got a lot of video, a lot of people putting into it. Uh, so it, it's kind of a multi-use. Brake Buster is a great wheel and tire cleaner. It does both. Also, we use it, uh, uh, close your ears, Bob and Dave. We use it as a great engine cleaner. Uh, it does a great <laughs> job at cleaning engines. And so um, there, there's kind of the difference. Now, we just recently uh, had an engine. A buddy of mine came by. He had a, a car that he wanted to get rid of. Uh, the engine was kind of gunked up. Um, we, we put Iron Buster on the engine because – it had a lot of aluminum uh, highlights to it. Oh man, it just popped the engine like crazy. But you've got to be careful when you're using these products for, for those reasons. You got to kind of test it, don't over apply it and so forth. But there's, there's the biggest difference right there. Uh, also, Brake Buster's pr pretty much, it's got a pretty fair, um, it's, it's kind of not odorless, but it's got a very light odor where any of the, the iron removers are going to have more of a distinctive that, that, that egg smell to it. Uh, Iron Buster's got less of a smell than other competing products, but it still does have that, that residual smell. Uh, I can even smell it when I, when I do my own car. I pull it in the garage, park it up in the front garage. I come out uh, the next day, and I, it has a little bit of a lingering, that lingering smell anytime you use those iron products. Cool. All right. Um, Let's see. I got a question about uh, insurance, and I'm actually going to chime in on this one a little bit, and then I'll let you guys do it. But Larry wants to know about mobile detailing, business insurance uh, recommendations. He's based here in SoCal, and then he also wants to know about the challenges uh, for water reclamation um, use in specific customer areas. So, uh, Larry, I'm in SoCal too uh, for insurance. Um, I actually use State Farm. My uh, policy is in two separate parts. There's uh, my, my vehicle insurance for the van, and then I have a business policy that covers, uh, I believe, three distinct areas. Uh, one is a liability, and um, I think I have a million dollars. If not, it's half a million. But, um, and then there's garage keepers, which you can set the uh, coverage amount on that. So that pretty much covers you if you're, you do some damage to a vehicle. Um, and then Inland Marine is a portion of the policy that covers the equipment in the vehicle if, you, uh, if it's broken into, stolen, or whatever. Uh, that'll specifically cover that stuff. 
So that's my input there. You guys have anything else? Wow. Okay. Insurance. There's two types. There's good insurance and there's cheap. Um, you can't have both. Is that, um, you know, we, we work with a broker, uh, our insurance because of the aircraft we work on um, is, you don't even want to know how much we pay. I mean, it's, it's sickening. It's a house payment uh, for it. But here's the deal is go to a really good broker. If we, every year we come up with a document that tells the, the broker everything that we do, uh, every single thing. If you've got a lift, you want to tell them that. If you're mobile, you want to tell them that. If you, if you, if you drive uh, a pickup and deliver cars, you want to tell them that. Because anything that you don't tell them, if there's a problem and you don't tell them, you're not covered. Simple as that. The other thing is, is that as you get more successful, is that you want what's called uh, key person insurance. And so if, if I go down, if I have an injury, if I'm out of my, if I'm out of my uh, trail bike or I, I get in a car accident or I get ill uh, and I go down for, for six months, I've got insurance that will help take care of my business while I'm down because I'm considered the key person in the company. Uh, we tie that all into our insurance uh, with that. And so, and, and then also we've got loss insurance. And so uh, whether you have a shop or a mobile operation, is that you want to make sure that you've got stated uh, values of each piece of equipment that you've got uh, for replacement values. If not, uh, they're going to challenge that. The other thing we do is to back all that up is we, we videotape every piece of, of, of product, excuse me, of equipment that we've got uh, at least twice a year. And the reason why is that way, if there is a total loss, is that we can come back and we've got a very updated file that shows everything that we stated we had, it's very clear to see that we did indeed had, and there's just, it leaves zero room uh, for argument in the event of a loss. And the only thing that I wanna add, I, I do all that, I met with my broker, told them every single thing I do to cars. Um, very important to state if you're removing wheels, using a lift, all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I really wanna add is that I had my broker added an additional rider for me to be transporting the cars. Because like I mentioned before, I go pick them up and none of that insurance generally covers you transporting the car. So I had that an extra policy done for that to make sure that when I'm transporting the cars back and forth, anything that I should be involved in would be covered. A lot of people misunderstand and think that their regular car insurance covers them to drive any car and that's not true. Not true at all. So that's the only thing I have to add to the insurance. Sydney, that's a great point. We have that additional thing also, and it is a rider underneath it. And it's specifically called out in our policy that we're covered to do that. If you don't have that, yeah. once that, if you leave uh, the customer's property or your, or your shop location and you're driving that vehicle, <clears throat> you are not yeah. covered underneath right. insurance. And yep, it, very open, important. let me tell you the other thing that's going to happen too. All of, you, all of you that think that because you're an LLC or a corporation that you're personally not going to be held responsible, it's funny because um, I, just, I just witnessed something go down in the industry where a, uh, a certain individual is being investigated. They straight out leaked it out during a conversation that they're going to pierce the corporate shield and go after that person uh, directly. And so those days of thinking that just because you have a corporation or just because that you, you have an LLC, you're protected. Let me tell you, if they got the right attorneys or they've got a prosecuting attorney, something like that, they can pierce that in no time at all. Don't feel that you're protected 100% from that. It does add a degree of protection, but you know what is, is there's, we've seen it on the major scale uh, of people being indicted 
on criminal charges and or different fraudulent charges and they're they're held responsible not their corporation yeah if you if you have employees make sure that the uh, garage keepers policy um, covers them obviously they're probably not driving the vehicles around but they will be pulling them in a garage out um, and also have a sop in place where you know, if an employee moves a vehicle, someone else is behind the vehicle to guide them um, and make sure there's nothing in the way, you know, the windows are, the windows down, that kind of stuff. Um, that's part of ours. The door has to be closed. You can't back a car up with your foot hanging out. Stupid stuff like that happens. Also, it's part of a question in the IDA certification um, test. Um, and so make sure that you're following those procedures. Now, I also do some aircraft. But um, I have some legality stuff that I've dealt with with the company, um, increasing my insurance, and I have um, the ability to do hangers keepers when I do the airplanes because I only do them multiple times a year. So it'd be really stupid for me to have a policy I'm paying for all year. Um, so we do that when the, the job comes up. Pretty much I cover myself for the month. Um, but also make sure you have workman's comp insurance, um, for your, your staff. Um, and right now we're, um, six or seven months in. So right now it's time to reevaluate my employees hours so I can make sure that I'm current on the workman's comp payments. Um, that way I'm not going to have a fat bill at the end of the year, or I'm also not going to have a fat credit, um, uh, at the end of the year also. <laughs> Um, hey, you mentioned uh, the, the IDA uh, testing recently. I have a question about that. Uh, Kenneth uh, says he's in the process of, uh, he just joined the IDA and he's going to be doing the testing. Um, he's got uh, about five different books on detailing. One of them is uh, Rennie's book. And uh, he wants to know if you have any um, recommendations for studying for the certifications uh, coming up. Oh, well, oh man, they're so tough. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> you know, it, it's, I would just talk to a lot of people that have taken, I'd go into the IDA uh, Facebook group and, and, and basically start asking questions, you know, I think that's your best way. Uh, I think chemistry, you know, wise is probably just, it's good common sense. There's nothing, there's nothing in there that will trick, you know, it's going to there to trick you. But I think knowing, you know, knowing common sense things uh, is really important, you know, um, other than that, I just go in and start asking people around the industry what, you know, what kind of threw them off uh, and so forth and, uh, and go from there. I think it's a good starting point. Yeah, you know, understand different types of wheels. Um, a lot of people don't understand a painted finish versus a powder coated finish versus aluminum, coated aluminum, chrome. Um, <laughs> that will help. If you're really concerned, you can find out, um, and I know COVID's, causing issues, but there are um, recognized trainers from the IDA that do CD in a day. Um, you may have to wait for that, but um, if you really think you're going to struggle with it, but go ahead and if you think you're confident, take that test online um, and then that way you can do your SV testing whenever um, another event is available. Well, I have a, um, we had a, uh, a student coming in a couple of months that uh, doesn't speak the greatest English right now. 
and wanted a little prep to uh, before he comes to training. And I actually recommended that he and his wife read through uh, the Detailer's Dictionary together. That's stuff. All the different yeah. terms. Yep, that's smart. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. A um, couple of ceramic coating questions. Uh, uh, Miguel asks, uh, is there a way to tell what type of coating is on a vehicle if you didn't install it? And uh, um, and he doesn't know. Let's see what else it says. It says the, the customer had the coating installed from a dealership but doesn't really know how many coatings or years of protection, et cetera, they, they did. Find out, find out who the dealership is and call them. And yeah. I wouldn't ask, I wouldn't be a detailer. I would be a consumer and say, Hey, um, you know, I'm looking at buying a car from you guys. I'm interested in getting, possibly getting it coded. I'm just doing some research. What coding do you guys use? Recon, because it's all guesswork from there. And a lot of people just don't know, you know, but just investigate a little bit, you know, ask the customer if they know, have them look at their invoice. It might, it probably going to be somewhere in their finance papers of what they put on. I know like for instance, Dodge Chrysler Jeep uh, works with Celejet uh, a lot. You know, they, they, they put that on, but it, it could be anywhere. I'd go to the straight to the schools and find out. Yeah, I keep a list. Um, you know, I know what most dealerships, I've just done the recon in the past. I know what most dealerships use. Um, and then, but kind of by feel there, I've worked with enough of them that I can kind of you know, I obviously know if a car comes in and it has a coating on it, I can definitely tell that. Um, I can tell if it's just a spray type sealant that somebody's assuming is ceramic. Um, and so I can kind of guess what's on there. Um, as far as longevity, I have no idea, but I do keep a list of what most dealerships in my area use. Look at, and most dealerships, you know, they have the guys out in the back that are doing the they have the lot porters doing these coatings quote unquote coatings mm -hmm. yeah. and it's not the same type of ceramic coating that we do um there are some out there that do bring it in and offer that but that's few and far between right now um they're tied into the fni group or you know guy mm -hmm. so the, even though they're probably putting on a good product a paint sealant something that lasts you know mm -hmm three, three to nine months in there. Um, I always tell people, look, you paid for protection. Let's make sure it's beating water first um, by, by doing a wash and decontamination. Cause maybe they didn't, they probably didn't even clay it if they even put the stuff on the car um, and use that warranty to your advantage. You paid for a warranty. Let's maintain the vehicle. Um, it doesn't void the warranty. If you're maintaining it, most of them state, you have to have, um, you know, maintain the vehicle. And uh, if you get a water spot or if you get, you know, bird poop or any of those things that are covered in the fine print, use your warranty, um, contact them. But yeah, you're going to have to explain that to people that they didn't pay for a ceramic coating. They paid for a coat of something. Um, and who knows what it is. It could be a coat of right. wax. Right. Um, mop and glow. What, what are the other names for it? Clear smear. There's all yeah. sorts of things they throw on, <laughs> yeah. um, on these, sometimes they preload vehicles. So, so it's already yeah. on there anyways. Um, sometimes, you know, they take it in the back and do it and they didn't really do it anyways. But, right. um, I found that with my local dealers, um, that I found some that actually don't put yep. the product on and say you have it. 
Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate, but that's why we educate our customers and, and help them. Cool. Well, guys, we are, uh, we're about 15 minutes over. We like to keep this to a uh, distance real quick, 30 seconds or less. Um, do you guys worry about competitors and their prices? Do you ever, do you ever think that, are you guys the cheapest in town? Go ahead, Sydney. No, uh, I'm not the cheapest in town. I know that I need to raise my prices, but um, again, I, you know, I build value in what I'm providing and I know I'm not the cheapest, but I'm not the most expensive either. Um, and I don't worry about my competitors. I think that in my area, there's not a lot that do what I do and the customers see the difference. And so um, I have a lot of great detailers that live in my town. Um, they, they just don't operate the way that I do. So I don't, I don't necessarily see them as competition. I see them as friends and, you know, uh, friends in the industry. And sometimes I'll have to refer customers out to them, but um, I'm kind of in my own little world up here. Cool. Kyle? Yeah. You know, I, I look at it a couple different ways. One, I'm different um, in how I run my business. Two, um, there are some great detailers out there in my area. Some of them charge very similar prices. Some don't charge enough. Um, but when you say the word competitor, I feel like I'm running a different race, right? So, um, you're, I do have a couple out there that, um, I enjoy competing with because they keep the market fair for their work. And then there's those out there that are, are screwing the market up they're giving bad information and they're way too cheap and problem is they won't be around very long um because they just won't be they're going to be that person that i get a phone call from their former customer and say hey i used to have a guy but exactly yeah he's so not use him anymore he went out of business yeah he's too cheap so yep. and also so you know city uh your brand ambassador now with pns uh, pretty exciting. Uh, that didn't happen overnight. Uh, Kyle, you've taken it one step further. You've gone from brand, brand ambassador. Uh, then you went one step further to where you're the rep for Southern California. But then you went one step further. We, you've actually got a, uh, a product now. So through PNS, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about how that happened and how does it make you feel? Um, so, you know, I've always loved PNS products. You know, we've had a relationship with Bob and Dave for last six years, five, six years. And every time I use a product from them, I am so pleasantly surprised. Um, it's like, whoa, you had this. Well, years ago, I asked Bob about, you know, using a, a polish for RVs and they sent me some stuff and we played with it. And I said, Bob, we need to give this the name RV and Boat Restorer. Um, and I pushed it and I pushed it for a little while and, um, the, you know, things happened in the industry. I was actually looking at working for another company. Um, I was given an opportunity and I'm glad I passed on that because that opened up this for Kyle's boat and RV store. And, you know, it's pretty cool is I've been getting messages, DMS on Instagram from other detailers that have used it. And they're like, man, this is awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I knew I was right, right. But now it's validating to know that other people are using it and they're having success making their art boats and RV shine. And it works great on single stage paint, huh, Sydney? Yes. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. I would have died without it. <laughs> so awesome. it's, it, 
and so yeah it's it has my name on it and my face on it but it's really you know it, it's a tribute to the quality of products that pns makes and dave and um, his chemistry and um, bob you know believing in what i was telling him because he went off you know my recommendation on that and he said okay kyle well if you love it so much let's let's give it this direction so it's pretty cool yeah which is um, a company that actually names it after a detailer i mean that's just to me i i so think cool. you know it, it it tells me that my my first off my my friendship uh my love affair with with uh with the phillips family uh is, is for good reason and the fact that um, they, they recognize, you know, the, the trench level guys in the industry, you know, uh, Kyle, you know, you've made your, you, you've made your name, um, and your reputation the hard way. You've worked your butt off, you know, for a long time to get there. And I think it's really cool that they, they recognize that. And, uh, you know, they didn't have to name it after you. They could have kept it exactly. It was the same. And, uh, I, I just think it's cool that, you know, found a product that fits a problem that I was having. And I know others have the same problem of making dull fiberglass shine. Um, and there are other products out there that do a good job of it. Uh, but there's very few. And so this fit that niche. And I'm glad that we have it for detailers to use, honestly. It's cool that my name's on it. It's, it's you know, an honor. But I would have been happy if it had my name or not. Um, that we have a, a solution to a problem for, you know, the hardworking guys out there that are coming up like I did over the last 22 years. That's so, cool. okay. So now I'm going to put Kyle on the spot. I'm not going to do this to Sydney cause she's uh, her model's a little different. So did you watch the hiring video? Yes. Okay. Good man. Good man. I did. I, and I, I took some notes. It was good. good. You know, uh, membership has its advantages in the, in our group. And, uh, that's helping me make some decisions that I need to do this week. So good. Well, Hey guys, I want to thank you for Chris. Thanks for putting this on Sydney. Uh, it's always good seeing you. Yeah. How do you guys and what you're doing and so forth. And, uh, Hey, good luck to both of you reach out. How do they, uh, how do people reach out to you, Sydney? What's the best way? On social media? Um, probably I'm on Instagram. I'm under eyewash auto detailing. I spelled like iPhone, but eyewash auto detailing. Um, also you can reach out to me on Facebook. Um, you can reach out to me through the PNS pages. Um, whatever is best, whatever, whatever's easy. There you go. Yeah. Sydney and Sydney and I do have the ability to read and respond on the PNS detail products, Instagram and Facebook. So you can hit us there. Um, I'm at extreme detailing Kyle on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Instagram a lot more than I am Facebook. Same. Um, yeah. But if you guys put a question up there, usually you'll see a, a tag at the end of the answer. They'll say KC or SBG. That's Kyle Clark and Sydney Briglin. So we'll respond. Um, sometimes Bob's on there um, and responds to questions as well, which is nice. Um, but we've been happy to help with that. This has kind of just become a, a bunch of stuff and not just, you know, a product ambassador, a, D, uh, product rep it's just become this whole um culture that i'm really enjoying yeah cool awesome. well you guys did a great job so hey everybody thanks uh thanks for joining and kyle sydney thanks for uh being a part of this uh hopefully we shared some information uh some nuggets for people to take in and think about when they're building their brand and their business 
So you all take uh, take care. Yeah, happy detailing. You too. We'll uh, see you next time. You guys keep it up. And uh, hey, keep uh, delivering those uh, that uh, the pineapple upside down cakes if you would. Yep. So, all right, no guys. Problem. Happy detailing. Products coming. Adios. See you later.